What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. NFL teams only travel for one game per week when they're on the road during the regular season. But that doesn't mean their one trip is your normal run-of-the-mill operation. That's because these trips include more than 150 players, coaches, and staff members, and more than 15,000 pounds of equipment. So today's episode is going to break down everything you need to know about the logistics behind NFL travel. I had a bunch of fun putting this episode together, and I hope you're able to learn something from it. So let's get right into it. All right, so today we're going to be talking about the logistics behind NFL travel. Many of you will probably remember that I did a very similar episode on Formula One logistics earlier this year. It was a very popular episode, and many people seem to enjoy it. So I'll probably do all of the sports leagues at one point or another, but I thought the most logical place to start next was with the NFL. And this is for two reasons. One, it's super complex, more complex probably than many people realize. But number two, it's changed a lot over the last few years. And my guess is it's going to change even more over the upcoming years. So the easiest way to look at the NFL specifically is that many people probably think that it's not that hard because teams are only traveling eight or nine away games each year. So the NFL used to have a 16-game schedule. Now it's 17 games. So half the teams are away for nine games and half the teams are away for eight. That's really not that much when you look at the NBA, which teams have to travel 41 away games, or the MLB, where teams have to travel for 81 away games. But that doesn't mean these eight or nine trips for the NFL are easy or normal. The best example of this is the Seattle Seahawks. So again, the Seattle Seahawks, they'll have nine different road trips this year. They're going to be bringing 150 plus people and 15,000 pounds of equipment. But that those nine road trips will travel 32,000 miles and cross 36 time zones. And the craziest part is the Seahawks aren't even one of the teams that is leaving the United States this year for an international game. So all 32,000 of those miles are in the United States. All 36 time zones that they cross will be within the United States as well. And they will have the most mileage covered this upcoming NFL season. Number two on the list is the San Francisco 49ers. Number three on the list is the Miami Dolphins. Number four on the list is the LA Rams. And number five on the list is the LA Chargers. So the top five teams, call it Seahawks, 49ers, Dolphins, Rams, Chargers, will travel anywhere between 26,000 miles to 32,000 miles this year. And that's drastically more, two to three times more, than the bottom five teams, the Vikings, Panthers, Bears, Packers, and Bengals. Those teams will travel anywhere between 12,000 to 13,000 miles this year. Now, look, a lot of this obviously has to do with not only how many away games you have in a single year, but the location of your team, the schedule, and so forth. But these road trips also aren't easy to plan. They include a mix of planes, trains, and automobiles. And teams, on average, spend about $4 million each year on travel costs alone. They're squeezing some of the world's biggest humans into the same commercial airline seats that you or I would sit in. And the industry, like I said, it's changing. Many airlines are simply just fed up with their most profitable planes sitting idle while teams stay in host cities for several days at a time. And teams like the New England Patriots or the Arizona Cardinals are now spending tens of millions of dollars to own and operate their own private jets for team travel. Now, the way I want to break this down is pretty simple. I want to talk about an average road trip across the NFL and what the teams and their logistical partners and operational folks will be thinking about. So, the schedule gets handed out months in advance before a season starts. We already know the schedule for the upcoming season. And the day that it gets handed out, the logistical folks or the operational folks in these franchises will start planning literally that day. And what happens is 
Some teams will look at the cities and they'll say, where are we going to stay? Some teams might actually send people to those cities to check out, you know, two, three, four, five, or six hotels and book rooms. And they're looking for hotels that are obviously can fit everyone, see location-wise, they're very close to the stadium and so forth. Transportation can get in, get out, whatever. There's a whole checklist that they go through. And most teams at this point probably have a pretty good understanding visiting cities kind of year after year, where they will be staying, what the travel plans will look like, and so forth. But that's how it starts, right? They want to book the hotel as soon as possible so the rooms are there and they don't get taken. Next, they'll start looking at ground transportation from the airport to the hotel to the game. This includes booking multiple cars, buses that come with police escorts, obviously. For everyone from the players and coaches to front office staff, media members, you obviously got to have the equipment and everything else. So this includes transporting people from you know the team facility to the plane, from the plane to the hotel, from the hotel to the game, from the game back to the plane, from the plane landing on the other side, back to you know wherever their cars are. Most of them are usually at the team facility. So it's a lot of logistical work from both a, uh, a transportation perspective. But then when you get to the hotel itself, that's kind of like its own beast in some regard. Most NFL teams, what they'll do is they'll work months in advance again with the hotel chefs at these hotels, the catering business, whatever it is. And they'll prepare a custom menu. You obviously want to give the players protein and carbohydrates and stuff like that leading up to the game. So they'll put a menu in place. Sometimes it's the same at each hotel. Sometimes it's different. But they'll put a menu in place for the players. So no one has to think about anything when they get there. The players typically aren't allowed to order room service. What they do is they all go to scheduled meals. They'll eat in usually one of the ballrooms or something like that. And from a, a hotel perspective, again, each team is different. But most of the teams, what they do is the rookies share rooms and the veterans will get their own. And then when it comes to security on place, that's another big thing to think about because each team usually employs about five to 10 different security guards on duty at the hotel at any given point. This includes team employee uh, security members, but also off-duty police officers and other people like that. And these people, they are watching over everything. They're there to make sure that the players don't have visitors. They're there to make sure that the players don't go to the hotel bar. They're there to make sure that the players don't break curfew and everything else. So all of that is extremely difficult to set up. I don't want to minimize that in any way, shape, or form. It's not easy. Anyone that has any ever done anything from an operational or a logistical perspective knows that coordinating all that stuff, it's not easy. No matter how many times you've done it, no, how, no matter how many times you visit the same cities and so forth, it's difficult. But still, by far, the most challenging aspect of NFL travel is coordinating the actual flights. This is because, again, there's more than 150 people on these flights carrying 15,000 plus pounds of equipment. And while most of the other major sports leagues, if you think about you know, the NBA, the NHL, MLS, whatever, they're flying on smaller chartered planes. They can fly on things like A320s, 737s, 757s, etc. NFL players, though, again, they have 300-pound-plus players. Some of them are 6667, and they require larger aircrafts from commercial airlines. We're talking about American, Delta, United, Hawaiian Airlines, places like that, that are chartering out 767s or 777s. And this presents a serious problem from a supply and demand perspective especially for NFL teams that aren't located near an airline hub. All right, everyone, quick interruption from today's episode to talk about the sponsor of this podcast, ButcherBox. I've been ordering from ButcherBox for a few years now, and it's the single best solution I've found to save time while guaranteeing the quality of your food. Everyone probably knows what ButcherBox is, but they deliver 100% grass-fed, grass-finished beef, free-range organic chicken, humanely raised pork, and wild-caught seafood directly to your doorstep. 
It's literally that easy and it tastes incredible. So ditch the butcher lines today and guarantee the freshness of your meat with ButcherBox. And here's the best part. If you sign up today, ButcherBox is offering all of my listeners two pounds of ground beef for free every time they order over the next year. Let me say that again. Two pounds of ground beef every time you order over the next year you get for free. So go to butcherbox.com slash Joe Pomp and use code Joe Pomp, all caps, Joe Pomp at checkout to get that discount today. There's this YouTube channel called Wendover Productions, very high quality YouTube channel. And they actually did a video on this several years ago. Most of the things that we're talking about now, but one of the things that they specifically talked about is the logistical challenge for teams that are not located near airline hubs. And the best example of this is the New Orleans Saints. So let's play out a scenario here. The New Orleans Saints, they play the Carolina Panthers in Charlotte, North Carolina. They have to fly from New Orleans to Charlotte, obviously, to play in the game. But there's not an airline hub in New Orleans. So what do they do? They charter a plane from United. That United airplane has to fly empty from Houston to New Orleans to pick up the team. Everyone gets on the plane in New Orleans. Then it flies with the team on it now to Charlotte. Everyone gets off. They go play the game. That airplane sits on the ground in Charlotte for 33 hours until the game's over. Then everyone gets back on and they fly that plane to New Orleans with the team. The team then gets off. Everyone goes home. That plane then leaves New Orleans empty and flies to New York City for its next flight. Now, this may not sound like a problem, but the problem is actually pretty simple. United is only being paid for the three hours of flight time that the team is using the flight, even though the plane was used for 44 hours, right? So it flies empty from Houston to New Orleans, empty, you know, no one's using it necessarily. Then they fly it to Charlotte. The, the team pays for that. It then sits on the ground for 33 hours before the team uses it again to fly home. The team pays for that flight back. And then it has to fly to New York City for its next flight. The team's not paying for that. And that's when they get more revenue from New York City flight tax. So again, United is only getting paid for about three hours of flight time, even though the plane was being necessarily used for 44 hours by the New Orleans Saints. And this is one of the reasons why many airlines have either A, jacked up pricing for NFL chartered flights, or B, stop chartering flights to NFL teams altogether. If you take American Airlines, for instance, they've already dropped all charter flights. All of their charter flights, they have dropped except three teams, the Carolina Panthers, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's because those three teams are located next to airport hubs. And many other teams have either started to sign agreements with charter-only companies like Atlas Air or Miami Air International, or they've struck these big deals with the commercial airlines to use multiple smaller planes instead of one big plane, right? And the easiest way to think about this is if you're a major airline like United, Delta, American, whatever it is, your most profitable planes are probably your big planes, right? The ones I mentioned before. And you want to be using those. You don't want those planes sitting idle for, you know, sitting on the ground for literally 33, 35, 36, 37 hours at a time, depending on how long the game actually takes and people boarding it. And you're not getting paid for a bunch of the hours, right? So you want those planes in action. You want them being used as much as possible. So a lot of these airlines are saying, if you're not located next to a hub where we can get in and out very easily without doing these empty legs, we're not going to take you. So what are teams doing? Some of the teams, like I said, are working with charter-only companies, Atlas Air, Miami Air, International, or they're striking deals with commercial airlines, those same airlines, but they're using multiple smaller planes instead of one big plane. But there's also one other way that NFL teams are getting around this problem, and that's by buying their own private planes. The New England Patriots were the first NFL team to buy their own planes. This is when Robert Kraft, he paid $10 million for two Boeing 767-300 ER. 
He paid $10 million to American Airlines for the planes. The planes were running with American Airlines for like 20, 25 years. They went out of commission in 2016 and American Airlines sold them to Robert Kraft. They rebranded them. They covered them. They have Patriots logos all over them. Again, they're 30 years old and they cost twenty dollars to $30,000 per hour of flight time to operate. But more importantly, what do they do? They provide the New England Patriots with ultimate flexibility. The interior of these jets has been customized with two by two by two business class seating throughout. They have extra leg room. They have Wi-Fi, of course. They have HD screens on every seat for in-flight entertainment. They have a custom menu that has a bunch of protein-packed items like Angus beef burgers, chicken breast. They even have ice cream and other things like that. And they can fly nonstop for 12 hours at a time. And look, the easiest way to think about this is from an economic perspective. You can spend four, maybe more, maybe five, maybe $6 million a year on travel. That includes everything, right? So it's not just planes, it's hotels, it's transportation, everything. But it certainly includes flight time. Or you can do what Robert Kraft did. He can buy two planes for $10 million. One is really all they need. I think the other one's a backup plane. He might have even gotten rid of the second one at this point. But I know they use one plane usually most of the time. So call it $5 million, $7 million. I don't know what you want to call it, right? But it's not the full $10 million. And they use that one plane and they're able to make their money back, right? You still have to do all the operational costs. You have to pay for the, the fuel. You have to pay for the pilots. You have to pay for the storage and all of that. But the Patriots, they're actually getting their storage for free. Usually you'd be charged for their storage level of that plane, the amount of time that it's in the hangar. They would be charged about $200,000 in annual storage fees. Their plane currently sits at TF Green Airport in Warwick, Rhode Island, but the airport doesn't charge them for storage. Why? Because they provide the airport with $1 million in free marketing the airport claims, right? So everyone knows that the plane is there. They talk about the plane. The plane gets used a bunch, whatever, whatever, whatever. Cameras show up. The press shows up to get people on and off the plane. They get a million dollars in free marketing every year. They say, don't worry about the 200K. Keep your plane here. So Robert Kraft's bet is essentially, hey, look, we're going to be using these planes a lot. I don't want to sink money and just lose this money every single year by essentially leasing these things or chartering them. We're going to buy our own. Maybe it isn't profitable for the first two, five, six, seven years, but I plan to own this team for a long time. These planes will be operational for at least that period of time and we'll make our money back plus some. And the other cool thing that Robert Kraft has done is he's loaned the planes out a bunch. I'm sure, again, you guys have seen this stuff in the news. In 2018, Robert Kraft flew students and families from Parkland High School to Washington, D.C. for the March for Our Lives rally. Then in April 2020, Robert Kraft's planes flew to China. They flew to China. He sent them to China to pick up more than 1 million N95 masks for Boston area hospitals to use during the COVID-19 pandemic. Then in 2021, Robert Kraft lent his plane and covered all of the costs to fly the University of Rhode Island football team to their game in Baltimore after plans for their chartered flight fell through. And again, a year later in 2022, Robert Kraft lent one of his planes to fly U.S. soldiers from Germany back home for the Memorial Day holiday to spend time with their families. And the latest thing that he has done uh, was last year as well. Robert Kraft lent the team plane to the University of Virginia football players so they could attend three funerals in three separate states for their teammates after they were murdered. Now, obviously, it's commendable the things that he has done from a charitable perspective to loan out these planes and let people use it. Most of the times, cost-free, not charging them for any of this kind of stuff, and a bill of you know hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not seven figures plus, to himself. But the New England Patriots aren't the only team thinking this way. Many of you might know, too, that the Arizona Cardinals are another NFL team that has their own plane. They have a Boeing 777-200ER. 
It seats 288 people with 28 first-class pods. They include the lie-down seats, 48 business-class seats. It's actually a really nice plane. It has their branding along the outside, and they're doing essentially the same playbook that Robert Kraft is doing with the Patriots. They own it. Their owner, Michael Bidwell, actually has his pilot's license. He's picked up people before, not in that plane, but smaller planes. And they're doing basically the exact same thing that the Patriots are doing. And my guess is, in conclusion, is that many other teams are going to be doing this too, right? If you look at the combination of what's required from these airlines, many of the airlines are, again, jacking up prices or simply just saying no and making teams find other options because of how difficult it is. Airline travel has never been more popular, right? There's tens of thousands of flights in the air at any given point on any single day. It's never been more popular to fly airlines than it has today. And these planes, the, the airlines don't want their biggest planes, their most profitable planes, locked up for long periods of time without making money. They need to be in the air to make money. They need to be carrying customers. So a lot of the time, they're just simply saying no to these teams. So my guess is, as these NFL valuations continue to grow, the teams make more and more money and so forth, more and more teams are going to buy their own planes. Again, not every team wants to do this from an operational perspective. It's a totally different thing. You have to have pilots. You have to have storage. It brings up a whole host of other problems that you don't have to deal with if you just charter these flights. But again, if you're able to save a million dollars a year, $2 million a year to the bottom line, that's straight to the bottom line from a profit perspective, you are going to do that. And I think that's what we're going to see many other teams do. I don't know if it'll be, you know, teams that we talked about in New Orleans, other places like that, those probably make the most sense because those are the teams that are going to have the hardest time finding chartered flights. But at the end of the day, I think we're going to see many other teams doing this. It just makes more sense from a financial perspective. And again, as the league gets bigger and bigger and more profitable, these teams really have no reason not to do it. All right, that's it for today. I hope all of you enjoyed learning about the logistics behind NFL team travel and some of the things that they're dealing with when it comes to chartering private planes. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor and rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to it. Leave me a five-star review. Let me know what you like, what I could be doing better, et cetera, et cetera. I hope everyone has a great day and we'll talk later this week.